Psalm 71. I'll read it aloud. We stand out of reverence for God's word. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me be never put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I've relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. I want to take a look and see um, what age groups we have here this morning, and you'll you'll understand why here in just a moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a slogan or a name, and, and so I want you to fill it in, or maybe you need to. So you need to either fill in the slogan or you need to uh, name the product. Okay, are you ready? You just just show hands, okay? If you if if you know it, and then and then holler out the answer. A little dabble, do ya? Real cream, okay. Um, the best part of waking up. That's wrong. It's hitting the snooze button. Um, every kiss begins with. That's in, that's incorrect. Also, every kiss begins with an awkward head tilt. Okay. It gives you wings. Okay. Oh, I hear some of the younger voices in here. Okay. All right. Save money, live better. Walmart. Walmart. All right. Uh, like a good neighbor. Oh, that's impressive. Okay. Ought to be good for 10% off of my, uh, my premium. Um, can you hear me now? <laughs> no, somebody said no. You can't hear me now. Let's just pray and go home. How about that? It's Verizon. It's a little older, but it's a Verizon one. Okay. Have it your way. Burger King. Okay. I'm loving it. Okay. And then I expect this group down here to get this maybe more than anyone else. Sour than sweet. Okay. It's not your mother-in-law. Okay. So this summer we've been in a series, as Scott mentioned, uh, called Summer in the Psalms. And among the 150 Psalms, we find that many are particularly helpful. We've, we've, we've talked about some of them. Uh, they're particularly helpful whenever life is painful, uh, difficult, or, or challenging. But there are, there are probably a few of them that we're not as familiar with. Uh, Psalm 71, at least for me, this is one example. And it describes how one person leaned on God and was strongly supported throughout their life. There's something that everyone wants and yet almost everyone fears, and it is not the 2024 election, okay? It's getting older. It's getting older. We, we all want to get older, but then at some point there's a, a fear maybe of getting older. And getting older, has some, it, it has some frightening aspects. So you, you have an aging body that gets more susceptible to illness, declining strength, feelings of less usefulness, the loss of friends and loved ones through uh, illness or through death. Sometimes there are feelings of loneliness. And very often, um, 
dwindling financial resources can become a, a concern. So here's the thing. It's coming like a freight train for every single one of us. I know that's not, that, that opening's not going to get me the Barnabas Encouragement Award this morning. But stick with me. There's, there's a reason we're, t- we're talking about that. Um, I mean, I could just pray and go home right now and everybody be sad and depressed and just take a nap this afternoon. You and I face this imminent realization of, of growing old. And, and it's not just the older ones in the room. It's from elementary into middle school. That's a realization. And from middle school to high school. And then from high school into uh, adulting. And then from adulting to even more adulting. And then from even more adulting to like, why do I want to ever adult anymore in my life? And on and on. So we need to ask ourselves this question, at least as I prepared, I've been, I've been asking this question. What should we be doing now, however old I am, whether you're elementary in the middle school, middle school to high school, and so forth, wherever you find yourself how, what should I be doing now to prepare for getting older? The fact is, you will be then what you are becoming now. If you're not becoming a, a person of faith now, you'll likely not be a person of faith then. It's not to say it can't happen. But if you aren't developing a walk with God now, chances are it's not going to be developed then. If you are a negative, grumpy person now, you'll likely not just morph into a positive, cheerful person. So when we separated out the Sundays for filling in the series, there were so many well-known psalms to choose from. Um, So we said if you didn't know which one to choose, then choose the one for the year of your birth. And let me tell you something about Psalm 71. I was tricked. Okay, Psalm 71 is a psalm of an old man. I don't consider myself to be an old man. Some in my family consider me to be an old man. But here's how you know whenever you're getting older. Some of you have experienced this. In high school, your favorite songs were on the radio. In your 20s and 30s, they're on your favorite TV shows. And then they start showing up in the grocery store or in the waiting room. And I am, not, I am not lying to you. I was in a store the other day, and I heard the Muzak. For, for you guys down here, Muzak is kind of like that jazzy, it's like, what is, what is this song? And then all of a sudden you may pick up on a little bit. I heard the Muzak version of a Guns N' Roses song. <laughs> no kid, It was Sweet Child of Mine, and I was like, what is going on? Uh, recently, uh, I saw uh, a video... Um, it's, it's called Craig Explains the 80s, and it's, it's on one of the social media platforms. And it starts off, and, and he was, this guy was explaining the 80s and everything. I was like, oh, yeah, man, some of, these, some of these younger viewers, they need to understand what's going on. And all of a sudden, it popped up. It was for AARP. <laughs> like, come on. I'll show you. If, if you're interested, I'll show you the, the feed whenever, whenever we're finished. But, yeah, it was called Craig Explains the 80s. It was for AARP. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's the... Um, something something association of retired persons, right? I'm not there yet, but I have been getting a little bit of mail. I'm not happy about that because it started before I turned 50. I'm 52. I'm not there yet. Keep your mail. Save your money, okay? Anyway, so the psalmist is an old man with many trials and problems, but he's obviously a joyful man if you read through 
the, the, the full psalm, uh, he's able to put his focus on the Lord in the midst of all these trials. So the psalm shows us, tells us, to, to put it simply, that God's path for us to grow old, grow older, is to develop a walk with him now. So the reason that the psalmist could handle these problems that he describes in there so well as an old man is that he had developed a walk with God in the years leading up to this time. He had a proven history. He had a, a track record, if you will, with God that gave him the ability to be strong inside even though his body was getting weaker and his enemies were becoming more powerful. Now, we don't really know for sure who wrote Psalm 71. Most agree that it's David who wrote it. There are a few scholars who think it could have been Jeremiah, but but the, the psalm pieces together a number of elements that really sound like a lot of other David's psalms, how he would express things in Psalm 22, 31, uh, 35, 40, 109. So it, there, it's, it's just littered with a lot of references that really sound like David. There's a reference in, in Psalm 71, uh, 22 to um, praising God on the harp and the lyre. Um, sounds like David. And the reference to having his greatness increased in verse 21 could refer to David being restored to the throne. There was a lot of turmoil going on in the later part of his life with his family and, and every, particularly with his son Absalom uh, and many others. And so he had, and, and there's language in there like he had trusted God from his youth. Um, verse, uh, chapter 71, verse 5, and, or Psalm 71, verse 5 and 17. And now he was old and gray, it says, in 9 and 18. So anyway, from the text of the Psalms, there were these aspects of walking with God that the author had developed over the years uh, that puts him in a good place um, at the time of this trial during his, his older age. And so we need to develop some of these same kinds of things, and we're going to talk about that in, in, in a bit. But here's what we do know. The Psalm is covered... If you read through it, it's covered with a deep and personal knowledge of God, and as well as practical, hands-on experience walking with God. So it's not just knowledge about God, it's, it's um, hands-on experience of walking with God. And he uses language like being taught about God in his youth. And, and th this man knew God as his strong refuge, a place to go to weather the storms of life and the current circumstances. He even calls God his rock and fortress, his hope and confidence. So for the psalmist, God is not some distant and unapproachable being. He proclaims that, as, as Scott talked about a few weeks ago, Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, is his refuge, his fortress, his God. And then he calls on the, the faithful covenant-keeping God to uphold him in the face of wicked men and enemies who want to see him fall. He, he even talks about God's mighty acts and his strength and his power and great things that God has done. And he knows it was God who delivered him in times of trouble and restored him. God was the source of comfort during the trials of life, and he proclaims this question in verse 19. Oh God, who is like you? The writer proclaims that his mouth was filled with God's praise and glory and righteousness all day long. So this man knew God. It was obvious that he had known him for years, and he had proved God's faithfulness again and again and again. So when he writes this song, he, this psalm, he isn't in the place where he's wondering, God, if you exist, maybe if you could, possibly, if you're out there somewhere, I need your help. He knew his God in a personal, practical, proven way. So it, 
calls the question for all of us today. Do you know God like that? Are you on the path of growth and developing through His Word and through applying His Word to your experience the same as the psalmist was? See, one of the most important things that that any of us can do um, to prepare for whatever crisis we may have to face in the future is to be spending time now with God, getting to know God, reading His Word. And so as you read His Word, ask yourself these, these questions. What, what does this passage teach me about my God? And then seek to apply that to your daily life. If we're learning that now, then we'll know Him as our confidence with the crisis of getting older when that, when that comes upon us. But here is the sweet part. Though this was written by someone who is getting older, it doesn't mean that we have to wait until we are getting older to be able to say the things that the psalmist says about his God. That same kind of relationship that the psalmist has with his God is something that we can have regardless of whatever age level that we are at right now. Whether we understand what brill cream is. What was that, like water, wax, and motor oil? I don't know. Whether it's that or we... We know the things that are going on right now in our current situation and we're, we're young. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever age we find ourselves and we, like the psalmist, can, uh, can have that kind of, of, of relationship and, and experience. And so how do we get to that place? So no matter how young or old you might be, where we can respond how he responds, there are four godly habits. And I put those in your notes. If you're, if you're a note taker, they're there for you. There are four godly habits that are interwoven in this psalm I want to talk about before we wrap up and and head home. Four kinds of habits that we need to develop to get us to the place and and, and in the space that uh, we can have the kind of relationship the writer of the psalm has with God. So, um, just to recap, a habit is a consistent pattern that happens over time, uh, developed by frequent repetition. Habits don't happen immediately or quickly. Habits don't happen without purpose. Habits are cultivated, they're nurtured, they're intentional. And the great thing about a habit is once it's in place, it becomes almost involuntary. Our attitudes, how we respond mentally and emotionally to life's problems, tend to become involuntary responses when something comes upon us we react and it's often out of the the habits of how we react that dictate how we take things and and our attitude about things they tend to become involuntary and and some some people have they they have become habitual worriers some become uh, habitual complainers some become habitually negative pessimistic and angry Others become consistently cheerful and positive. And so the habits we develop in our younger years tend to take us further in that direction as we grow older. So the psalmist had developed some habits that that we can't just pick up naturally. We have to cultivate those. They were deliberately worked on, and, and so we have to do those as well. So if you're taking notes, here we go. First one, first of the four godly habits, the habit of trust. Coming out of verse 3, it says that you know, the entire psalm is a confirmation of the psalmist's trust in the Lord. 
Um, Spurgeon says it this way. He says, The utterance of struggling but unstaggering faith. He was struggling because he was, in, in reference to, to David, he was struggling because he was in difficult circumstances with many seeking his life, but he was unstaggering in his faith because he knew whom he believed. So no matter what the experience was, there was an unstaggering faith. This kind of faith comes from a deep knowledge uh, of God, and, and often we fear and mistrust what we don't know. But we're more inclined to trust the things that we know well. So we consider, uh, when, when we know it well, we consider it to be trustworthy because the psalmist knew God. He had learned to trust God through uh, some other tough times. Take a look in, in, in verse 20, and he talks a little bit about that. And he knew, therefore, that God would see him through this time because he had experienced uh, the faithfulness of God during that. He knew that whatever was coming, whatever he was experiencing right then, that God was with him there as well. It's the habit of trust. And um, you don't have to walk with God long to understand that a, a strong faith in God is no guarantee against problems and complications in life. Can I get an amen there? Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean that our life is, uh, is incident-free. From the context of this psalm, it seems that this individual has devoted his life to God. Everything we know says he's devoted his life to God, yet the very first uh, verse of the psalm identifies God as a place of refuge for him because his life isn't free of trouble. But in the face of trouble, the psalmist still trusts God. The psalmist believes God is trustworthy. That's why he's leaned on the Lord since his birth. And so, are we developing, are you developing a habit of trusting God in the difficult times of your life? You can. Or are you, if you're honest, more often than not consumed with worry and doubt and fear? All of those are natural, but where are you placing your trust? See, when you, you or I have a, a time when we have trouble trusting we can concentrate on getting to know God deeper. I think one of the easiest ways to do this is to remind yourself of, of what God has already done for you. It, I don't know, maybe, it's a, maybe you call it a spiritual inventory, maybe you call it just a life inventory. Um, I don't know what name you'd put on it, but basically it's, um, it's just recounting the number of times that God has been faithful even in the face of, of frustrations and difficulties in life. And if you haven't had as much history uh, with God yet, then maybe start focusing what you have, the things that you have to be grateful for. There's a tremendous emphasis in the psalm on what God has done. Um, if you want to scribble this down in, as a way to maybe get started or to look at that, it's uh, verse 5, verse 6, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 23, 24. Uh, these are the kinds of things that the psalmist refers to as strengthening his faith. Maybe you have been walking with God for a while. Has God ever preserved your life somehow? Has He redeemed you from your sins in a life of sinfulness? Has He sustained you this far? Has the Holy Spirit been your comfort and guide as you've journeyed with God? Then you can trust Him for your present problems and for any that come up in the future. So the habit of trust. The next one is the habit of praise. Praise is not a natural habit for everyone. Some people are grumblers and complainers by nature. Again, don't be looking around and pointing at anybody. Okay? But God wants us to be people of praise. And even when difficult times come, and they will. Scripture reminds us and, and our experiences remind us that difficult times are going to come. 
that God wants us to, to, to learn to praise him. The psalmist has deliberately developed that habit. So how do we learn to praise God when trials come? The answer is learn to trust. You've got to go back to the beginning. You learn, when you learn to trust him, even in the midst of the difficulties, you can still praise him. Because just like trust starts with in knowing God, not just the facts and info about God, but journeying with God, praise comes out of trusting God. I don't know if, if this has been your experience, but I've heard enough people talk about this that, that you can't praise a person that you don't trust. And if you feel there's something about a person that you just can't trust, then you're probably not going to sing their praises to others. It's the same way with God. If, if deep down inside you doubt God's goodness or faithfulness for allowing some type of trial to come, then you don't trust Him. And not trusting Him, you, 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 you put yourself in a place where you're not willing to praise Him. But if you've followed Him and you've journeyed with Him, you know that you can trust Him and so you can be in the habit of praise. If you're a complainer, again, nobody pointing or looking, if you're a complainer and have trouble developing the habit of praise, I would suggest the same two steps I mentioned under trust. Concentrating on getting to know God and His ways. The psalm uh, emphasizes God's righteousness because the psalmist was, was fearing unjust treatment at the hands of unrighteous men and he wanted to affirm the righteousness of God that he trusted. He is good and faithful, even when he brings, even when, when, when life brings troubles and distresses into our lives. And the second is review what God has already done for you. There's an old hymn, if you know it, um, don't look it up now, maybe this afternoon. Um, but was, when I was going through this, this is the first song that came to my head. It was Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. Count Your Many Blessings. Okay, so some of you already know that. Look it up. Read through it again. Especially pay attention to the verses because in the verses, it talks about some really difficult things in life. And yet, here the chorus is all about counting your many blessings. We tend to forget the, the, uh, God's many blessings on our behalf, uh, the grace when we aren't as grace-giving, uh, the mercy that we are in need of, or, or maybe when we are less merciful to those around us, the forgiveness um, that in, in the forgiveness that we receive when oftentimes we'll hold on to anger and bitterness and, and grudges. And when we forget, we often fail to be in the attitude of praise. So how do we respond to, to these truths? The way the, the writer of the psalm does, we sing, we give praise. I've heard one pastor put it this way, redeemed people are praising people. So if you've been redeemed, it ought to be a habit of praise for you. So we meditate on how God sees, or how God has been faithful to us and will be there to carry us when uh, we breathe our last breath. We can respond with singing, shouts of praise, and testifying to God's help all day long. So, habit of trust, habit of praise. Third one is the habit of hope. The psalmist said not only developed habits of trust and praise, but also of hope. And there's a huge difference between secular hope and biblical hope, both forms uh, both, both forms of hope contain the idea of future expectations, but secular hope is uncertain about its object that it's after. But biblical hope is rock solid and certain because God is the object. Check out verse 5 of Psalm 71. 
When I say, I hope that my investment will earn 10%, oh, at this rate, I just hope it earns 3%, you know. There's uncertainty because the object of my hope, the stock market, all of the investments, all of that kind of stuff, is unstable at best, right? But when I say, I hope that Jesus will return, I'm expressing something certain, just not yet realized. It just hasn't happened, but I am certain of it. Biblical hope is built on trust in God and His faithfulness. And even in the face of difficult circumstances, when our faith may waver, Psalm 71 gives us encouragement, encourages us to hope in the Lord. Hope is confident desire, a feeling that something desirable is likely to happen. For people of faith, God is the source of our hope. He is the source of our confidence that something good will happen or can emerge even from a disappointment or disappointing circumstance or even heartache. The psalmist is telling the world, my hope and my trust have been in God since I was young and I'm not going to stop hoping and trusting now that I'm older. And that has absolutely nothing to do with being older in life. That can happen wherever you're at and wherever you start. Followers of Jesus should be people who have a habit of hope built on the promises of God. Unfortunately, sometimes as, as followers of Jesus, we pick up on the negative, the hopeless, uh, the hopeless spirit of the world around us because we focus on the problems instead of, instead of focusing on God and His promises. And if you're developing that habit of focusing on the world, it, it will likely make you bitter and not better as you grow older. That is to say that you're. That isn't to say that you're not aware of the reality of life, and the things that life brings, and how tough and, and hurtful our world can be. But there is a realization that this world isn't everything that we are living for to begin with. God's people should be the people who hope in God and not the circumstances around us. That'd be a great place to say Amen. I'll take a yep. That's that's fine too. So the psalmist was uh, was in a good place as he was getting older because he had developed a deep knowledge of God and he had developed godly habits of trust and praise and hope. And the final habit that we're going to talk about today uh, is the habit of serving. He had this habit, uh, this, this life, he developed a lifestyle of serving. And, and even though he was old and he could have kicked back and said, look, I deserve some rest. I've, I've done my part. He did not. He still had concern for serving, for telling others about God's faithfulness, about God's power. And, and as long as he had breath in his lungs he wanted to keep telling people about God's greatness and glory and sometimes there is an attitude that creeps in for us and it goes like well if we get, give God just a couple of hours by just showing up on Sunday we feel like we paid our dues and I know that there are times in life when we're busier with family and job and and illness and all kinds of other things but if if, if all we do is, is come to church to take in, if our focus is, what can I get out of, out of this today, then, rather than how can I serve the Lord through his, his people, then things might just be a little bit out of balance. There should, should, there should be no such thing as a non-serving member of the body of believers. Every one of us can serve. Every, in some way, everyone can serve. Everything we have, including the time that we have, is subject to the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Especially for us, as we talk about what sanctification looks like in, in, in our, our holiness movement, everything is subject to, to, to God's Holy Spirit and reordering and rearranging in our lives. 
You want to know who some of my heroes are? I've been watching for, for weeks and, 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 well, months now. It's the folks who um, have, have gotten to the place in their life where they're retired from their job, but they've said, I'm not done with life, and they show up every single week to serve at Living Waters Food Pantry. There is nothing magic about the number 65 that I can figure uh, when it comes to serving in the kingdom, except you just have more time to serve the kingdom of God in various ways. If you're freed up from your job at 65 and you're healthy, why not view it as an opportunity to serve the Lord even more, full-time? The people who volunteer, so I think about the people at Living Waters, the, the folks who volunteer at Linwood Elementary, at Youth for Christ, and our other partnerships. All of you are heroes to me. Because when the rest of the world around us says, I'm out, I'm checking out, I've done my time, I'm done, not you. And that, like the psalmist is talking about wanting to be an example to those who are younger, that's an example for me and for everyone around us. So as we wrap up, the point, the, the point is the psalmist didn't want to be delivered from his problems so he could just kind of go do what he wanted. He wanted to be delivered so that he could proclaim God's power to the next generation. Take a look at verse 18. He saw a longer life as an opportunity to keep serving God, and his ministry was built on the knowledge of God and his habits of trust and praise and hope, so he had something worthy of when his time did come to hand that off. So how about you? How about us? Are we developing a lifestyle of serving now, no matter what age? So for those of you who are sitting down here, the world doesn't revolve around you. For those of you sitting everywhere else, the world doesn't revolve around you. I know, it's a shock. For those who follow Jesus, the world revolves around the kingdom of God. Okay, So it doesn't matter where you're at, how old you are, all of these things, all of these habits need to be put into place in our life. Band's going to come and, and lead us as we, as we close. Here's what I want to do. What I want to do and who I want to be is an example of God's faithfulness in all times of my life. The reflections that the psalmist gives us concerning old age, getting older, are not so we'll complain about how bad it is to get older. But to the contrary, he wants us to see that every age range we find ourselves in is given to us by God, is one of his good gifts, and should be used for his glory and the blessing and the well-being of others. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, your way for us to grow old is for us to develop a walk with you now. A walk that involves a deep personal relationship with, with God. A relationship that includes the habits of trust and praise and hope and a journey that involves a lifestyle of service for you, God. So then, as the psalmist says, as long as we have life and breath, we can show and tell and sing of the greatness of our God to everyone that we come in contact with. So God, no matter what age we are now, help us to get to the place like the psalmist where we can move through life with hope and trust, with praise and have an attitude of serving and put these habits into practice in us. And all God's people said, Amen.